0: it's because I've forgotten the goodness of the gospel. Like when I'm cold in my affection towards Jesus, it's because I've forgotten that I am a sinner and he loved me when I was his enemy. And when I see in the word that we're supposed to obey and do certain things and I don't want to, It's because I've forgotten how good he is. So I just want to thank you, Royce, for reminding us again. And I want to thank Jesus for dying on the cross. From before creation, his plan was to die for me and for you. So our motivation for worship and our motivation for service And our motivation for loving one another comes from the ground, the blood-soaked ground at the cross. That we love one another because he has first loved us. So this is a holy time where we get to look in the word together and we get to examine about four men David, Jonathan, Saul, and Mephibosheth, four men, who each are encountering perfect love, covenant loyal love. And each are encountering this, and some are responding and receiving, and some are rejecting. So this morning, you have an opportunity to see what covenant loyal love looks like, And you get the opportunity to respond by receiving it or rejecting it. So, I'm getting riled up already and I haven't even started. So, let's look in the text. This is 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel 20. We're continuing a series on the life of David and how he points us to Jesus. And the message and the discussion this morning, the title is, Loyal covenant love of a friend. 1 Samuel 20, and then we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel 9. Our discussion is going to be in five parts, five parts that we're going to just walk through. Number one, we've got previously on. Any Survivor fans in the, in the room? You know how at the beginning of Survivor they'll say previously on Survivor, and they'll talk through like what happened last time. We're going to do that real quick, 1 Samuel 18 and 19. Secondly, we're going to look at loyal covenant love counters fear. Third part, we're going to look at the dark side of unchecked fear. Fourthly, we're going to look at covenant love at the table. And finally, we're going to have some group discussion. We're actually going to give you about two minutes online and in person here to discuss. And we're going to have some I will statements that we're going to walk out of the room with, uh, with regard to the text. Um, and in between 2, 3, and 4, we're also going to have some Q&A time. So uh, if you have questions, comments, thoughts, um, Terry's going to be walking around with a mic. And then if you're online, just click it in the chat. Uh, If you have a question, comment, thought that you want Dennis and I to to discuss. Um, Just to summarize what's happening, and then we're gonna go after the text. To summarize what's happening, David approaches Jonathan and he expresses his fear that Saul wants to kill him. Jonathan asserts that Saul means him no harm and promises to be loyal to his friend. They devise a plan to test Saul, which confirms David's suspicions. Remaining faithful to his covenant, Jonathan warns David, the men make vows of friendship to one another and Jonathan sends David away in peace. Years later, Saul and Jonathan are both dead and David is firmly established as king of Israel and recalling his covenant with David, with Jonathan, David seeks to find a survivor from the house of Saul. He finds Jonathan's crippled son, Mephibosheth who's still alive, and David gives him Saul's property and a seat at his own table for the rest of his life. That's the story that we're looking at. So, part one. Previously on. Previously on. A couple things have happened since last week. So remember last week we had Goliath, right? Goliath goes down. He's dead. The Israelites chase the Philistines, and they rout the Philistines. That's 1 Samuel chapter 17. After that, it's interesting, the Bible says that David and Jonathan are knit together. There is a mutual affection and a friendship that happens between these two men. There's an intimacy and a deep affection between David and Jonathan. It occurs in those first two verses of chapter 18. We looked at that just briefly at the end of last week. These two friends knit together make a covenant of loyalty with each other. Later in chapter 18, Saul is jealous because David has a theme song, and it's better than Saul's theme song. So Saul's theme song is Saul has killed his thousands, and David's theme song is a little bit better. Do you remember what it is? He's killed his tens of thousands. So when David walks into the room, the theme song is a little bit uh, more robust than Saul's theme song. So he's jealous. He's jealous of David and his accomplishment. Saul actually tries to get his own son, Jonathan, to kill David. And then when that doesn't work, he tries to murder David multiple times. Multiple times, including using David's wife, his own daughter, to try to get David out of the way. So that's previously on David. I'm going I'm to ask uh, Dennis to come on up, and then we're going to just talk through the rest of the text Um, as we move through this. So let's look at the text, 1 Samuel 20. This part that we're looking at is verses 1 through 23, where we're entitling Loyal Covenant Love Counters Fear. So if you look at the text, it's really interesting. The first 11 verses here are describing David's fear, and then verses 12 to 17, Jonathan expresses his own fear. So it's interesting David expresses his fear, and Jonathan expresses his fear. And so I just want us to make sure that we see that. David is on the run. He takes off. Saul's tried to kill him multiple times. He takes off to his brother, the one who he's knit together with. He heads to Jonathan, but he expresses to Jonathan, if you look at it in verse 8, he says, deal kindly with your servant. For you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. He's harking back to chapter 18. And that word kindly is referring to a very specific thing, and Dennis is going to talk about it in a, sec- a second, covenant love. So listen, David is afraid, and he's not really sure about Jonathan's intentions. so he goes straight to Jonathan, and he says, hey, are we good? <laughs> like your dad is trying to kill me. Are we good? Like we, we made covenant, but are we good? I'm afraid right now, and I want to make sure that we're good. Jonathan responds positively, but then notice... Jonathan also expresses his fear. Look at verse 14. He says, If I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. This is Jonathan, the royal prince, talking to David. He says, Hey man, if I'm still alive when all this goes down, show me love. Show, be loyal to me. Isn't that interesting? Jonathan can see what's coming, Jonathan can see that David is going to be king. And what happens when a new family becomes king, do you know what happens to the old family that was king? Off with his head. So Jonathan's going, I know God's with you, um, and now I'm afraid. (laughs) Like, if I'm still around when all this goes down, will you show kindness to me, this steadfast love? And if I'm not around, will you show kindness and steadfast love to my family, he says, to those who come after me? So I just want to say, one thing, just as we're thinking about this person, and I'm going to throw it to, Dave, uh, to Dennis to talk about um, Hesed love. When we're afraid, we need to be open to the people around us. A lot of times when we're afraid, what, what does that cause us to want to do? Especially if, if the person I'm talking to, I'm in a relationship with, especially if I think they have something against me, what is a natural reaction Maybe I'll be passive-aggressive. Maybe I'll pretend like everything's fine and maybe we'll be okay. But actually, David and Jonathan show us something. Even when you're afraid, press in, engage, stay relationally open, even if the person you're talking to is the one that you may be afraid of. David goes directly to Jonathan, are we okay? And Jonathan goes directly to David. This is what friendship and real relationship looks like even when you're afraid, staying open and honest with one another, staying in covenant love.
1: Amen. So, this word that uh, comes into this passage several times and into 2 Samuel 9 is the Hebrew word hesed. Jamie just said that. Say that word, hesed. 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 Now, In the very first Bible study I did almost 25 years ago, it was on David and Jonathan, and it was on hesed, love. Mm -hmm. And this word has a very broad and deep meaning and unique meaning compared to English words that we would use. It includes love, mercy, goodness, grace, but it does all of those things in enduring strength. Hmm. That, that uh, is never fickle, never wayward, and it is always patient and steadfast. It lasts forever. It's how God describes himself yeah. when he puts Moses in the crook of the rock and he passes by. He says, I am the God who is hesed. Yeah. In Lamentations, when the whole... Jewish experience is being crushed and the city of Jerusalem is under siege and the the, the writer of Lamentations Jeremiah says uh, your hesed is fresh every morning. Mm. You are faithful every morning. And it is the love it is the, the hesed that comes with us in the very darkest valley and then David would say, Surely your hesed will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is unswerving love, kindness, mercy, goodness, and grace that never ends, that's always fully strong, uh, that lasts forever and ever, and it is given to all, especially the undeserving. Hmm. Yeah. especially That's good. the undeserving. That's good. And it's anchored in the security and the faithfulness of God's love and God's own character. A picture of hesed is anything that would be a joyful 60th, 70th anniversary. That's a picture of hesed. Hmm. They have lasted a long time. Yeah. Another picture of hesed is when Abe Lincoln after winning the election, put his adversaries in his cabinet. They had no business being there, but he reasoned that in light of what was going on, this would be the best thing, that if they would be with me and see everything I see, they would come to the same conclusion and maybe things would be held together. A couple of pictures of Hesed. Uh, John 13:1 says this. It says that Jesus loved them until the end, mm. and he was about to wash their feet. Those are pictures of hesed love.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's the kind of love that we don't often see, unfortunately. Well, let's think about this passage, and this is where I want to, we're gonna, about to have some, some dialogue you know the passage, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out what? Fear. Either the Bible is true or it's not true, right? And this is one of those passages that I think we like to throw around regularly. Oh, perfect love casts out fear, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then we're afraid. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, perfect love casts out fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then we're shivering in our boots and we're being passive aggressive and we're hiding from people. So I just want us to think about, here's this model, David and Jonathan, afraid, legitimately afraid for their own life, but they're staying connected by perfect covenant love. They've made a covenant with one another. And God has made a covenant with us. And in the New Testament, John is saying, what are you afraid of? You are in covenant with the creator of the universe. So questions and comments. Terry's going to come around with with a mic. Here's the question I'd like for us to think through. How have you experienced love that casts out fear? How have you experienced love that casts out fear? Or you may have a question or a comment or something else. And if you're online, go ahead and put that in the chat. How have you experienced love that casts out fear?
2: Uh, probably many of you know our in-laws moved in with us. And um, just that alone is a testimony that, that God has done a real work of grace in our family mm. that you can have in-laws move in and not be, you know, intimidated. <laughs> but then, you know, once in a while there can be moments where I'll think, oh, gee, I'll never measure up to my mommy. She's she's so perfect. And just <laughs> seeing the Lord give me and and her grace, uh, I tearfully talked with her one day in the laundry room about um, a spat with my husband and how I said, "You know, I told her once in a while I get afraid that maybe it'll it'll become two against one. You know, if if Joel and I might disagree about something, what what about you?" And and yeah. she just, you know, she's been trained in professional counseling. She said, "Oh no." <laughs> She said, you don't have to ever worry about that. And I said, yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Mm. But it's just beautiful, the the peace that the Lord puts in our home, because we have that. We have his love, and we can just be open with one another and open about our fears. It's beautiful what he's done.
0: That is absolutely beautiful. What's mom's name? Carolyn. Carolyn? Yes. Carolyn, will you do something for us? Will you just pray that kind of heart over MCC, over everyone that's here and everyone that's watching online? Would you pray that kind of love and that kind of openness for us as a church family? Would you do that? Thank you.
1: Our Heavenly Father, you know each one of our hearts, what goes on, how we think, how we feel. And we know that you love us regardless And it's when we extend that love to others, especially to those who are closest to us, who can be hurt the easiest, then we give peace and love and grace and harmony to all those around us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides us in teaching us how to be more like you each day. And we strive every day, Lord, just to be more loving and kind to all those around us. And with this, we are grateful for the gift. Thank you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Ms. Carolyn. I love you already. I like you. That's awesome. Really, really good. Okay, You got Judy over here.
3: Okay, so our 33 um, year old old daughter has been gone from our lives for almost three years and the Lord has been so faithful with us um, because even though she's not in our lives, um, he has been giving us hope and keeping that hope alive. And has given us peace knowing that he is at work in her life. Um, And he's so merciful because even though she's gone and been away for three years, she has or he has allowed her to keep a tiny window open so that we know her whereabouts, even though she doesn't desire for us to know where she is. But we do know because she, has, she herself has kept that communication open with one family member that from time to time let us know where she is and what she's doing and how well she's doing. But what is more amazing is that whenever, as a mother, I'm feeling um, that my hope is going away, Mm. he just sends these amazing dreams that are just so peaceful and so wonderful and so um, promising that just lets me have that piece of, in my heart that knows that everything is going to be okay in the end. So I, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. That is a, uh, is a really difficult uh, example,
1: but a good, good one to illustrate how he's ever present and giving you little feedback along the way. We have uh, from Michael Erickson, um, he, he's saying, you know, rather than experiencing uh, love as an emotion, it is love as a matter of the will and that it is love uh, and the love of God and the grace of God that enables us to obey and when we're obeying, we are moving, we, when we're living in obedient love relationship with God, we are uh, moving away from punishment. We're, we're no longer under the condemnation of God. And we're no longer under the wrath of God. We're set free from that by His grace. And so when we're walking with the Lord in obedience, uh, we don't have to fear punishment. And therefore, we don't have fear. That's um, a good way of looking at it. And that First John passage in chapter 4 does talk about uh, the more God takes over us, uh, the more possession of our lives he has, uh, the, the less we have to worry about and the less we have to be fearful of.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg kind of situation um, where is it, is it my experience of his love and my encounter of his love that propels me to love someone else, which I think that's what the text is saying. Like, I'm not gritting my teeth and just obeying him because I want him to love me. Although I would say that's what religion is, right? That we obey commands because we want to appease the God in the sky. That's religion. But the gospel is, I have received everlasting love. I get to obey this God. So, you know, there's a, a cycle there. But yeah, it's true in the text. It is an obedience not out of punishment, out of fear of being punished, but out of experiencing his love. So, okay. Really, really good. I see another comment from Dennis Spurgeon. When we have concerns, it would be helpful if we were honest to say, I fear, then state our concern. How then can we overcome our fear? Which is a good good question, Dennis. I would say, um, stating our fear relationally with the Father, or with Jesus, is the best way to approach that. So, It's not as helpful to just say I'm afraid because our minds are doing that anyway every time we're afraid, right? That's why my mind spins is because I'm afraid and I just think about it. But it's when I tell the Father I'm afraid and I need you, (laughs) like David going to Jonathan. "I I need you to deal kindly with me. I'm appealing to your covenant love. So stating it and then staying relationally connected with the one who has loved you perfectly is a way to approach that. Okay, we need to move. Next section, the next section is the dark side of unchecked fear. And if you're hearing Star Wars in that title, you are correct. The dark side of unchecked fear. So if you look at the text, verse 24, we see David, so David and Jonathan have responded to their fear by staying relationally connected with the person in front of them. Now we see Saul, and he does something ex- the exact opposite. So David's hiding. They have this plan where David's not going to show up at this feast at Saul's table. And basically the plan is, hey, if Saul freaks out, then I'll know that he wants to kill me. And Jonathan's like, nah, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He's like, okay, but let's do the plan, okay? So they go to the meal, and there's this encounter between Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan. This is the second day, this is verse 27. David's place was empty, and Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has not the son of Jesse... He can't even say his name. You know you're in trouble when they won't even say your name. Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away... And see, my brothers, for this reason he has not come to the king's table. So Saul, who's afraid, he's afraid that he's losing his dynasty to David. He knows this is happening. He's afraid. He's afraid for his son, who is not going to be king. If David becomes king, my son doesn't get to be king. So he's afraid. And do you know what Saul does? Then Saul's anger was kindled against who? Jonathan. Jonathan. The one he's afraid of losing the dynasty, he's angry at that one. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. That's some spicy language right there for the Bible. I can tell you that right now. You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Then Jonathan answered, why should he be put to death? And Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. The very thing that Saul did to David multiple times, wanting to kill David, he does to his own son, the one who he's afraid of losing the dynasty. Big idea for us. When we explode in anger, there's usually being driven by fear. And if we're not careful, we will explode in anger towards the very ones that we love who are closest to us, who we are afraid for. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Because that's good preaching. When you're afraid and it's unchecked and you explode, you will likely be damaging the very ones you love whom you are afraid for. Unchecked fear will destroy you and your family. Mark it. Unchecked fear will destroy you and your family. Fear is deadly. And when we don't stay relationally present with the Lord and with those around us, it destroys us and the people around us when we're not walking in covenant love.
1: Yeah, that is good preaching. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, the, uh, th- this is interesting. You know, Jonathan is not a weak man. Yeah. You know, Jonathan has already climbed up the hill, taken out dozens of Philistines, um, he's already stood up to his father in the matter of the honey and killing people and whatever. And so I, I think what, what I love about Jonathan is he, he has strength.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not working out of weakness. He's not working out of uh, the, the inability, but he's coming to David as a man. They, they, are, they are two men who are making and walking out this covenant. And it's such an important... This is something our culture does not value. It does not value deep male friendship. Right. Uh, This is seen to be uh, old-fashioned whatever, but it's interesting when I think about uh, my relationships here uh, at Marymount with with our staff, Um, and I'm just talking now about the guys on the staff, Um, my relationship with Jamie. They actually just sent a text in here about when they get called to a new place to serve, it can be really scary. It can be really challenging. And God's love sustains them through that. But we had a number of conversations about big issues when they were moving and big issues uh, about their housing and all kinds of things. And what I loved about it is Jamie was like, "Here's, here's here's what I'm concerned about. Right here. And, of course, God's grace is working. God's grace is all through that because he called them here. Yeah. But in bringing that into relationship, uh, we have this, we have this um, ability to look at the problem and to face into it together. When I was having open-heart surgery, uh, besides Marianne, the, the guys in the room the night before were the elders of this church, who were there to pray with me. Um, our eldership divides into little groups of three. My group of three is Steve Sessler and Lewis Arnold. And regularly, we get together and we share all the stuff that's going on in our lives and the things we're afraid of, the things we're battling, the fears we have. Now, that, that is the reason many pastors fall. Yeah. That is the reason many men fall. Yep. Because they don't have good male friends. Yep. And that's that must that's the number one goal of our men's ministry. Now, this comes naturally or more naturally to women. This does not come naturally to men, but this is the call that we're we're having as we look at this passage, practical application, to really be connected, uh, you men, to other men who can walk through life's difficulties with you.
0: Yeah, and this it's costly to Jonathan to be in relationship with David. It cost Jonathan a lot. It cost him his inheritance. It cost him relationship with his father. It cost him. Here's the royal son. Here's the prince. And he's giving up royalty. He's giving up his kingdom for David. And it cost him. And the New Testament, in the New Testament, Paul basically makes this same argument. Do you remember in Philippians 2? Paul is looking at the church and he says, listen, I want you to love one another. And I want you to have the same mind as Christ. I want you to consider others more significant than yourselves. And this is how you do it. Have the same mind of, as Christ, who willingly gave up his own throne, his own royalty for you. So in Jonathan, we actually see a picture of Jesus, the royal prince, giving up his throne for the sake of others. And Paul uses that as motivation to love each other. Look what Jesus has done. (laughs) Let's love one another. Let's consider one another, consider the other person more significant than ourselves. So this idea of laying down what I think is mine for the good of what God is doing in someone else. And not being threatened by that as a man or as a person, but not being threatened by that because I'm securely loved by Jesus. Anything else that you want to say about that, Dee?
1: I I guess one one thing I would say is is notice, too, that it's always the it's always the initiative and the responsibility of the stronger. Both have to participate, but one of the things mm. that we see here is that uh, David, who's in a stronger position in the middle of this, is making, taking the initiative.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that will come into our applications as we're thinking about how to walk this text out this week uh, right. to think about those relationships where we are, we are in the stronger position.
0: Right. Yeah, unity and love is a big deal. There's a psalm, Psalm 133. Um, this is a psalm of David. It's a psalm of ascent. So it's, it's, it's to be sung in worship while you're going up to, up to Jerusalem, up to the holy city. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. This unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Now, I use beard oil regularly. That's why this beard is so luscious right now. because beard, <laughs> beard oil. And I can tell you right now, it's fantastic. If you have a beard, you should be using beard oil. I'm going to tell you that right now. Commercial for beard oil. But the picture is of that smell. When you put, be- when you put oil and beard oil... You can smell it. Listen, the picture is when there's a community and people are like this, you can smell it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's something beautiful. There's an aroma that's really beautiful to God and to other people. In fact, Jesus would say this. They're going to know you're my disciples by the way you squabble with one another. Is that what he said? (laughs) He said they're going to know. They're going to know you by your love for one another. Even the world can smell it, which is, oh, which is not surprising why the enemy is trying to divide the church regularly during this season, right? Anybody, anybody thought about that? (laughs) It's so obvious. Make sure the world sees a church that's like this over politics, list them, list them. Make sure that the world sees a church that's like this, then they won't know Jesus. Because if the world actually saw us as believers like this, they might go, you know what? That looks better than what I've been doing. It's a big deal. Unity. Love. Smells like life to the world. Questions, comments, thoughts. Terry's got a mic. If you're online, you can throw some Questions, comments in the chat? Anything? If you need recommendations for beard oil, I'm happy to. Beard brand is a great brand, by the way. It's just, you know. Yeah, Scott's got one over here, Terry.
4: I've been wrestling with this all morning. Um, Our son, Ben, claims to be a homosexual. And he told us that in high school. And I guess the normal reaction was, oh my gosh. How am I going to fix this? Mm. How am I going to get him to not be this way? Mm. And that was hard. Until the Lord just said, Scott, just love him. Just love him. Mm. And when I made that mental and heart change in my life to just take him as he was mm. and love him as the gift that he is from God, that smell came mm. back. That that blessing, that relationship, that Love came back, Hmm. and I don't know where God's going to take this, but I'm going to be with Him on the ride, and I don't know what else to do but just love and pray and just embrace Him as the gift of God that He is. And I'm telling you, my life got infinitely better because the weight just melted off. Yeah, the day that I stopped fighting love mm-hmm. and just let it come that that flow that's don't try come. to back it up just let it come and when it does and 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 take ben out of you know that's my example plug your example in there yeah. and yep. and you'll experience the same relief and and refreshment that comes with god's love in these kind of situations
0: that's beautiful that's beautiful yeah, perfect picture of that. Staying relationally open, beautiful. Okay, uh, let's move on to the to the fourth um, section here, which is we're skipping ahead in time. So it's a little back to the future. Skip ahead uh, to Second Samuel nine. At the end of this story that we were just looking at, if you remember, they did the whole thing with the arrows. David and Jonathan talk, and Jonathan confirms, yeah, dad's coming to get you, man. You got to go. And they embrace, they weep, and they embrace one another. They said, the Lord be between you and me. The Lord be between our houses forever. So just keep that in mind. Now we fast forward 2 Samuel 9. David is looking around, and he goes, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him Kindness, that's that chesed love. Is there still anyone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness, chesed love, for the sake of Jonathan? Then later in verse three, he says, and the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness, chesed, the kindness of God to him? And there's a servant who says, well, there is one son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. His name is Mephibosheth. He lives in Lodibar, and David calls him. Now, let's, let's make sure we've got it all clear. This is Game of Thrones stuff right here. Because you have David, and here comes a child of Jonathan. Do, what happens to this kid in this moment? Gone. He's dead. In this, in this culture, it's wartime. We don't let kids survive of rival houses. We don't do it. Why? Because they're going to grow up and they're going to get you. That's what, that's what is happening. And David calls Mephibosheth, who's paralyzed. Do you think Mephibosheth is scared? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the end. <laughs> this is, I'm about to see David, the giant slayer. I, it's over. It's over for me. And this is what he says. It's so beautiful. Verse 7. David said, do not fear. For I will show you chesed, kindness, for the sake of your father Jonathan. I'm not going to just show you this kindness. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, and you shall eat at my table forever. David looks at this enemy of his, this criminal, who's, I mean, he needs to go. And he says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to respond in chesed love. Perfect love has cast out my fear. Perfect love is about to cast out your fear. Why don't you come and join my family? Sit at my table. I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you everything that you need. Can anyone see the gospel in this passage? He gets a seat at the table. He doesn't deserve the seat at the table, does he? He can't even physically get to the table. Are y'all hearing me? He, he physically can't get to the table. He can't earn his way. He can't physically get there. David, who is showing pure love and grace, says, why don't you come on up here? I'm going to provide for you. You get to join my family. You get to sit at my table. I will provide for you forever. It is, in fact, Jesus. And he invites every single one of us. Even while we were enemies of his, he died for us. We are crippled spiritually speaking we are unable to get to him and he says why don't you come on and he embraces us and sits us at the table this is why we take lord's supper and it's a party right the the lord's supper the table is us we are mephibosheth i can't even say that name most of the time we are walking up to a table that has been graciously given to us by jesus it's beautiful. It is beautiful. I just want to encourage you. Um, we're not going to take Lord's Supper right now, but I want to encourage you. Go home this week. Eat really good food and celebrate that you are Mephibosheth and try to say it three times about yourself. This, this, seriously, this week, eat really good food and thank Jesus that he put you at the table with him. Just as an application point. I think you had a story.
1: Yeah, th- this is This is such a powerful picture because when we are brought into the covenant, when when we see Jesus for who he is, when we respond to this this good news, when we come to the table, something amazing happens. And that is we get connected back to God. Our sins are, we sang the songs. Our sins are cleansed. We're made right. We're back with God. But we're also, at the very same time, brought together with each other, yeah. with each other. And in that moment, we recognize that we do not belong. We we are not our own. Hmm. We were bought with a price, and we belong to each other. As a uh, a younger man with a call to preaching. I asked the Lord for a father in the faith, mm. and someone who could mentor me along, help me along, and that that was that prayer was answered uh, by Jerry Kirk coming to our church uh, in Cincinnati to preach for a season, and where we became we became brothers, and he extended that kind of welcome mm. to me, uh, and and it. It reminds me that my brothers and sisters have a call on my life. Mm. And I have a call on their lives. That we are knit together in this table of the Father. And we are to lay down our lives for our friends.
0: Yeah.
1: And to show honor to our friends. Roman 12.10 says outdo one another in showing honor. Mm. So one of the things to think about is, who in the covenant family is God drawing you to in relationship? We talked about good male friends, Corey Lush has stepped in and said, yes, this is vital for my husband uh, to be in these relationships. But there now are other and broader applications of this covenant Hesed love as we think about who is God speaking to you about in this community yeah. to come alongside, to encourage, to be a blessing, and or to show honor to? Yeah, That, that is what it means to be in this covenant community.
0: That's good. Okay, we're going to move into group discussion time now. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple of um, ideas up on the screen so that you can see those, just some some applications to consider they we're going to take two minutes for you guys to just discuss and then we're going to respond to that. A couple of things to consider. Have you received grace and come to the table? I'm going to tell you right now, you will not find intimacy with brothers and sisters if you have not come to the table with Jesus. You, you don't show grace and we're not going to be open and vulnerable with other guys if we don't understand how to be open and vulnerable with Jesus. So I just want to encourage you there. If you head back to Lodi Bar like Mephibosheth, you're struggling. You need to stay at the table and then embrace other guys and bring them with you. You Y'all hear me? (laughs) You want motivation to be vulnerable with another guy or another girl? Be vulnerable with Jesus. It's the primary relationship, and it flows to all the others. So I'm about to start preaching again, so we're going to keep going. Have you received grace and come to the table? Maybe celebrate this grace with communion at home. Here's a question. Who around you needs grace and loyal love, which is what Dennis is going after? Examine your friendships. Where are my friendships? Where's the vulnerability level? And then finally, understand that our church family is a covenant family of loyal love. <laughs> this, this applies to us, us'ens, right? That we'll be together. So, two minutes. Just discuss that online. Discuss it with whoever's uh, sitting around watching this with you. Um, or if you're by yourself, text somebody. But let's take two minutes. And discuss this and talk through. I will statements. <laughs> All right, I hate to break it off. But that's two minutes. Um, we have. Maybe time for one or two folks that want to share, maybe an I will or something that's kind of really resonated uh, this morning. We have time for about two, and then we're going to close it down. Terry's got a mic, um, so anybody have anything that they want to share, just what the Lord is, is speaking to them, how you're processing
4: this?
1: Jess Moore says, um, Jess Moore says, I will name my fear this week and lay it at Jesus' feet and pick up his love instead. Mm. Ready you go, Jess.
0: Yeah. Any other I wills. Well, I want to encourage you to um <clears throat> To express those to somebody, maybe in your family, maybe whoever you were discussing in small group, uh, to express that I will and then receive accountability from the people that are around you. That's what's great about saying an I will. Like Jess just said that. So um, she's got people in her life who get to ask her, hey, are you doing that? And hold her accountable. So there's a really healthy uh, rhythm there. So I just encourage you to express that um, to, to those who are in your life, what your I will statement is for this week. Let me pray, and then Royce and the band are going to come back up, and we're going to sing one final song, and this song is, is targeted at our relationship with Jesus, so I just want to reiterate, it is in our relationship with Christ that all these other relationships work. So let me pray, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to worship together and sing to Jesus. Father, we come before you, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have revealed your nature and your character and what you're like. I thank you for David. I thank you for Jonathan. We look forward to seeing them for eternity. I look forward to asking them questions about this experience. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us again. To the beauty and grace of Jesus, that you would ignite worship and zeal in us, and you would help us to be open and relationally connected to those around us by your covenant love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together and worship Jesus.